Hips, hips, the quarterfinals, then Al Hips settled on the shootout to send them to Hampton. Ibrox's fortress is breached as Xander Clark is the hero at both ends, and Saints join Saints in an All Saints semi, and can they just stop with the Super Leagues? It's episode 19 of the False Knighted Podcast. With me today, we've got Andy, Marcus, and Lewis. How are we doing tonight, guys? I'm all right. Alright, not bad. Uh, so we'll start uh, this week's podcast at Easter Road uh, in the Scottish Cup quarterfinals. We're after a 2 2 draw, draw uh, Hibbs advanced on penalties. Marcus Lewis, do you want to take this one? Yeah. Uh, I want to apologise for my um, drunkenness <laughs> on the last one. Your antics. Uh, my antics. I was very confident. I mean, I was confident. I would have been confident anyway, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, 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 yeah, <laughs> things, things happen. Um, so regardless, though, I still expected us to win. Um, I think what my prediction was 2-0. So I, was, I wasn't far off. I was maybe 10 minutes probably away from that, but um <laughs> yeah, I think it was because they, uh, they yeah. scored in eighty one and eighty nine, so you exactly. could have been ten minutes off a two 0 win. Yeah, it was a uh, peak hibsing it, quote unquote. Um, I guess you could say we. I don't know what Lewis would say, but I don't think Mother will run the game at all until about eighty minutes. Um, until he's brought, he made a few tactical changes, brought Tony Watt on, but big Tony Watt. I think, yeah, I think Tony the, Watt really did change the game. Hero. I think he did change Celtic the game when he came on. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the, I was reading the BBC Sport analysis, and they seemed to make, think he made quite an impact. Even apparently, just his presence on the pitch, he was shouting at players to get to balls, sort of taking on a late leadership role. He was yeah. chase it, telling the players chase every ball, like make every tackle, you know. So even if he didn't score, uh, did he score? I think no, he scored he the second, but he scored the second. Yeah, he scored the second, but yeah, he. I think he definitely did have a big impact. Uh, the first goal came uh, just into the f- uh, first few minutes of the second half. Uh, good goal from Christian Deutsch. A powerful header, really, wasn't it? Beautiful header. It's um, a very Chris Deutsch goal. Um, lovely cross from McGinn, who's come under a lot of criticism recently. Um, and I don't know. Um, some angles, it looks like maybe the keeper could have done better with it. It wasn't like right, right in the corner, but I think it was just far enough away from him that, you know, it was a very powerful header from being fair to the goalie. But yeah, um, very happy with that. Like I said, just overall very happy with the way we played. Um, kind of the first half, we maybe deserved another, like very like the the Livingston game, maybe deserved to go into halftime a goal or two up. Um, but yeah, it was good to kind of break the deadlock kind of early on into the second half and we kept going which was pleasing to see and it made 2-0 through Jackson Irving who poked through poked, basically poked in Kevin Nisbet's shot uh, yeah. in the 80th minute um, it's good to get his first first goal for the club um, yeah, it's his first goal this is his first goal for Hibs yeah um, right. is that I think he's been quite good for Hibs I thought he might have scored one I, think I, been... I love the guy I've been wanting them to get his first goal for weeks, so more than happy for him. And the the shot thing is, but uh, I think some replays show that the shot would have been going wide anyway. So oh, um, that's always good to know. Yeah, because when I when I seen it, I was like, oh, he's going to nick that thing is, but but nice. No, a <laughs> um, no, good thing he was there and aware in the position. I think he was calling for a penalty because he got bundled over by 
Gallagher or someone like that. But, um, good, good wee bit of play from Boyle to slip it in for Nisbet and Motherwell defence was all over the place. I mean, leaving Nisbet and, and Urban unmarked. Um, shouts for offside, but I don't think he looked offside at all. No, I uh, think there was someone playing him on who was, was a bit very, deeper. Yeah, very clearly on. And good thing he was there, like I said, because I think the shot from his, Nisbet would have gone wide. So, um, it was two goals yeah. in six minutes for Motherwell. Uh, goals from, is it Lammy and uh, Tony Watt we talked about earlier. Yeah. earlier. And then, mm-hmm. There oh, were two, my... two well-taken goals, I think, especially the first one. It's 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 two well taken goals and this is like it's the second second year in the Scottish Cup that I have watched an absolute drubbing turn into a comeback to watch a shit show on penalties. Mm. <laughs> it's happened it's, like it it's I, I'm gonna give my take on the game. Like um that the first half Hibs were all over us and we were just really lucky not to give away a goal. We were just in that sort of sense where at least the defence is now somewhat organised and there is like experienced players in there, the likes of obviously Stephen O'Donnell and Declan Gallagher, but I haven't rated Ricky Lamy since he came to Motherwell. He's god-awful. And then he goes and scores a goal. And you're like, okay, that is like the biggest contribution you've made to Motherwell the entire season. Um. The thing, the thing is, the thing about Tony Watt is, it's like Tony Watt's been injured for a couple of weeks. Uh, we have been without Tony Watt for a little while, and we've, we've had to sort of play Devante Cole, uh, Chris Long, and then Jordan Roberts got an in, uh, picked up an injury in training. I think Cole's been fantastic though; he's deputised very well, mm. chipped in with he's, plenty of goals. He's he's really good, but I think he's only really good when Tony Watt's kind of there. He like Tony Watt's kind of like your main man in the team. And then Cole kind of scoop can like you need Tony Watt to kind of hold on to the ball, and then you can use the pace of Devante Cole, play it through, and you, you get a goal through that. Because Tony Watt's actually for a striker's got quite good hold up play as well. Um, but as you've said, it's like once you bring on Tony Watt, an experienced player up front, um, everything starts to get more organised. You know, he was. Even though we were playing like the last ten minutes of the game, well, like, ten minutes of the the main the main ninety, um, he's probably still the best player in the park at that point for for Motherwell, um, like for the entire game. Now to go back to to go back to obviously like that first Hibs goal, I said to you guys, I can't even get angry at the the first Hibs goal. It was just so well worked and the header like. The, the power that was on the head of Christian Deutsch was, like, I knew Liam Kelly was not going to even save that. Um, even if he got a pant of that, that was still going in. It was fantastic. Second goal uh, for Hibs, I did feel a little bit let down by. I thought, I thought, if we just try to bundle, bundle players over now, you're going to end up giving away a penalty if you bundle them over. Yeah. Get organised. Someone get on the fucking line because Jackson Husband's there. Yeah, it did amaze and me that it, it did just amaze- poked in. It was a tapping. I, I, I'm not trying to sound like bad in the way that it was a tapping, but it's an easy goal to defend, and that was the game. 
but that was the goal that kind of cost us. If if it had been if we had been able to stop that goal, it would have been two one. Yeah, it would have been a two one Motherwell potentially. But then there's a lot of ifs and buts. Like the Ricky Lamy goal is really good. The Tony Watt goal is just build up play and a, a good shot at the end. But it's it was a it's a straight as a strange game. Um, however, my, my my criticism again, and it's the second season I'll make the same criticism as I did against St Mirren in 2020. It's there's nobody in the Motherwell team that can take a penalty other than the penalty taker. <laughs> Um, that that first penalty goes in, and I'm thinking, all right, like this is this has gone all right. And then Mark O'Hara, um, there's someone down at Ocean Terminal that's caught the ball from that. <laughs> that was terrible, and it was just terrible penalty after terrible penalty. Granted, six foot seven keeper and goal, Matt Macy, but mm. finish a penalty, like you know. The player, the, the team hasn't changed much from last season. The players know we went out on penalties last season. Work on the fucking penalty. My question was, yeah. why didn't why didn't Tony Watt take one? I think he might have been down to take like the fifth one, but why didn't he take one of the first four? So that's another good question because it was Devante Cole and then Mark O'Hara, and Mark O'Hara missing his penalty totally fluffed it for us. I would, I thought. I thought like Devante Cole and then get Tony Watt to take the second one and we could have been even on penalties. Um obviously I mean, granted Marco Harris like a midfielder sort of style, so it's maybe that way like let's keep the striker to the end in case it's like three you know, three four to us and then we put we can put the fifth one in and that's it sort of done. But I dunno. I, I really don't know what was going on at that point. I don't know if it was we wanted to have an attacker at the start, like a forward at the start and a forward at the end, so that there was a forward still there to try and kill the, the shootout off. But I, 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 I don't understand it. Um, like that, that's the credit to Hibbs is it's like no matter who stepped up to take a penalty, in that the penalty was going in, unless it was given this bit, <laughs> unless it was given this bit. But like every other player that stepped up there was finishing a penalty, like. Martin Boyle finished his. The mm. Deutsch took one, eh? Uh, no. Boyle, Halberg, no. McGinn, and Nesbitt and Porteous. So that's yeah. yeah so Porteous that, Porche scored so, the winner. Aye. So yeah. I, I know, I know, Porteous scored the winner. So, so that, like, there's a point. Half the people that were taking the penalties for Hibs were fucking defenders. I know. Porteous has never so taken a penalty in his like professional career as well. Um, even in like, training, even... apparently he said so. Like that's why. Why was he on fifth then? <laughs> I mean, it, it was. But when you look at it like that, that is in, that it's embarrassing for for Motherwell to go out on penalties like that. When you had two attackers in that, you could have had in the five penalty takers that right. could have gave a game, and you've got midfielders there who, in a game, I, we know Marco Hara can score a goal. Why can you know that? But can't score a fucking penalty. We're we're like we're like the Man City of football in mm. Scotland not in terms of money but just in terms of no one in the team can finish a penalty hmm. Aye, they, they've rotated it all season they got like Gundogan taking it Guerrero Jesus De Bruyne I ju- they should just stick Ederson on penalties for the fun of it 
I think we should stick Liam Kelly on penalties for the rest <laughs> of the season at this point. It's just oh, but I mean that's my that's my two cents on the game. I'm not going to go any further than that. All no. all credit all credit to Hibs. Um, I cannot fault it. We came back into it, and at the end of the day, it was a a proper a proper cup tie. Um, and looking at it now, with who's left in the cup, like Hibs have got a good run. You've you've only got to get past St Johnson. Sorry, oh. not St Johnson. You've only uh, got to get past United Dundee United. Dundee. And then one of the Sorry. Saints in the final. And one of the Saints in the final. So, it's, I mean, granted St Johnson have done you dirty this season. Yeah. At mm. Hamden. But Hibs do have a good run for the Scottish Cup. We do. Um, my final thoughts on the game. Uh, I agree, I think... You, you, I agree with a lot of what you said. I was really impressed with Motherwell the last 10 minutes, don't get me wrong, but I think it's worrying how, not just that time this season, but other times where we've dominated games for the most part, up to the 60th, 70th, 80th, in this case, minute, and we just throw it away. We, like, we switch off for a second, and the other team finds it so easy to get back into the game. The Celtic game at Easter Road is another example. I don't think Celtic were in the match at all that game, but all it needed was a, a 10-minute spell to get two goals. All the mother, all Motherwell needed was a ten-minute spell. It seems, it seems Hibs struggle with switching off late in the game. They think yeah. job done, Absolutely. but instead of sitting back, acting like it's job done, the players just seem to lose focus. And another and thing is, they're Jackson, thinking about what they're putting on for tea. You know, yeah. And it's happened all season. And another thing is, Jack Cross didn't really make any subs. He brought Andre right, but like, where's I don't know. Like, he could have. Someone like Cadden or McGregor or somebody who's going to see out a game better. I mean, if we've got McGregor in the defence for those two goals, they're, they're both goals from... Uh, so let me think. I First one was a corner, second one was Donald Cross. Yeah, Jack Ross didn't bring on anybody until the 110, uh, 102nd minute. In my opinion, if McGregor's there, he's got a lot better chance of heading it away than any other player in the squad. Porteous is a good head of the ball. I mean, Deutsch can be good defensively as well, but it's a different time of game, type of game, a game plan where you need different players for. Um, it's obvious that having played the the the, um, the, the three games, you know, the, the, the Livingston game midweek and then the Cup game the week before, we were knackered. I mean, you could see it, Boyle, Boyle, the likes of Boyle and Jackson Irvin and Newell were really struggling about. And I think that contributed it to a lot uh, or to a, uh, to a big degree. Um, and I think... Probably, in my opinion, obviously, probably other people can have other ideas, and it may not necessarily be this. Um, but I think what it comes down to is that the reason we struggled in December was that we don't have a big squad. We rely on the same starting eleven more than more often than not. The only changes we've made recently to the first team squad has been switching around Cadden, and who well now Cadden's injured, so we've had to play Boyle in the right wing back role, and switching out Macy from Marciano because Macy's our cup goalie, and it's like. Yeah, when you have games coming thick and fast like they have the past week, like they did in December, you're going to just struggle. So I think we need it's a big going to be a big effort in the summer to strengthen the squad and have, in all honesty, better quality depth players than Dre Wright to come on because, um, yeah, as much as I want players to do on the come for Hibs, I've not seen anything from Dre Wright all season bar a one really good cross at Hamilton away uh, and a goal against Rangers. It doesn't make a season for you as a Hibs player so it's really worrying but uh, on the other hand 
what we have done something what we have something we have done the past three weeks is really really put our stamp on games right so before we were winning and we were getting criticized a lot for winning methodically uh like just um, as, as you know got like thing. exactly like like kind of playing really conservative maybe hitting the other team on the break and then shutting up shop and we, we might win, you know. But I think the last few games, what you've seen is especially the Livingston game in the first half and also the first kind of 60, 70 minutes of the Motherwell game is Hibs really bringing the game to our team. And it's something that we've started to do a lot more the past kind of few weeks. And I think it's come down to the squad have had the whole season to play with each other. And it's also just probably Jack Ross gaining confidence in his players as well giving them the freedom to go forward when they need to. And it's making, you know, like I say, the challenge is bringing in depth in the summer, but I'm really confident for next season that we can continue. Granted, we don't lose too many of our key players. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, and it's also making me kind of confident for the end of the season in terms of our chances for the Cup. Um, St. Johnston, I mean, yeah, the whole thing with the Cup, and we've been here before. I mean, I got a bit excited, maybe <laughs> thinking we were the favourites last time, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it, at most we're two games of football away from a cup, and that's it. I'm not, ex- you know, at the at the least, it's 180 minutes from a trophy yeah. and quite a big one as well. And like St Johnston are a good team. Like I'd argue that they're the favourites because the the media and the wider football community in Scotland will expect us to hibs it, quote unquote. Which I don't think, like I've said before, is a term that I don't agree. With. And it's used anymore. The miserable jambos will be ho- hoping you have set. Right. No, it's it's um, St. Johnson will be the favourites because they've won a cup this season and they're hot in form. They've only lost at one game out of their last twenty. But at the same time, if we, I mean, the, we've got them in the next league game. I think that'll be a dress rehearsal for the final. In all honesty, obviously Dundee United are there, but I think the only team I fear at the last four is St. Johnston. Um, I'm quite confident beating St Mirren or Dundee United, but St Johnson's the one I kind of, especially in a final, um, would be very tricky. But if we can get a good win over them Easter on Saturday, probably lifts us up and says, you know, we can beat these lot. Um, so, yeah, it's just that's just it. Moving and- on to the St Johnson game, uh, it was a one-one draw with Rangers. Um, obviously, Carl's not here to talk about it, uh, but it was. A relatively quiet game, I guess, from both sides up until late into extra time. Yeah. Uh, when Tavernier headed home to give Rangers the lead, and you'd think that'd be that. I mean, it's a it was a very non-Rangers performance, you know. I mean, usually they're so fantastic at staling out these games, and um, you know, like Rangers very rarely concede late on in a game. So it was completely uncharacteristic for them. Even I mean, it was uncharacteristic for them to not to not to score and to take it to extra time. But St. Johnson looked like the equal team the whole way through the game. Like St. Johnson looked like they could. I mean, every pass that Rangers made, St. Johnson made one just as good, if not better. Every tackle, you know. I think there's probably a lot of exhaustion in the Rangers side, and te- when when a team wins a title early. The, wraps up a title the, the performances tend to tend to drop off i think that's just because players are partying but also they you know job done i mean stevie g his job was probably win the league and he's done that so 
I know he'll be he'll, he'll claim not to be disappointed. I'm sure he will be disappointed to only have the one trophy this season, especially if this team is so phenomenal as as the media is saying, but you know, other teams have managed to win all three trophies in a season on multiple occasions and win the title without losing a game. So uh I guess we see a Rangers bounce back from this uh going into the, the last few games of the split. Yeah, because the, the equalising goal, I've got it down as going down as uh, Xander Clark's goal, but I think he's just... It was, it came off Kane. It came uh, off Chris Kane last, but yeah, it was. Yeah. It was Clark, going in though, it was going in. Um, Xander Clark coming up for the corner and then heading it. Yeah. It was completely unmarked, like surely... I mean, Martin. you absolutely love a keeper. T- I mean, it's he's, he's not like he's he's wearing blue and looking like a Rangers player. He's wearing neon green, you know. Surely the Rangers player's been trained to look out for boys in green kits, you know. They, uh, but all all credit to St. Johnson. They played a fantastic game, and if if anything, they deserve to win it rather than let it go to penalties. Just for how good a performance they put in, you know, they'd be disappointed not to. And Rangers, um, have never been the most composed side during penalties, you know, because they only have, considering they win a million a season. But uh, you know, I think Tav took his, and the rest of them just crumbled. Yes, yeah, so, uh, Tavernet and Kiwan we've both missed. Uh, Barisic and Defoe mm. did score, uh, but St. Johnson converted all of their penalties to see them through. Uh, I think we, I think, I think going back to what uh, you said, Andy, and what Marcus said, I think it's been a long, long season for Rangers. I mean, they went deep in Europa League. Um, they got to quarterfinals of the cup. Uh, I think got to quarter, is it the quarterfinals of the League Cup as well? They got to. Yeah. 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 So it's, no. It's, no. No. Yeah. Yeah, they got knocked out of St. Mirren in the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah, they did. So it's been, they've got mm-hmm. two, three sets of quarterfinals and won the league. So it's been a long season, but I think it's one where you've come out with a trophy. It's all, you know, it's it's a job to build on from here to find getting a treble, for example. Um I honestly, I honestly think now if if Gerard's staying for another season or two, I feel like it's not so much like let's win the Premier Sports Cup as it's now named. Oh. Um, let's we'll just leave that at that. Um, the the Scottish Cup um, for 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 him, it's probably win the league and get Rangers as far as you can in the Europa in League Europe, Champions yeah. League. Um, obviously, round of 32 this year, but he will want to push them to a quarter, maybe even a semi-final. I'd, I don't like... think, I do not think like a Scottish team, like either of the or either of the old firm teams, are good enough to get to a European final. That is no, no. disrespect <laughs> to either team, but no. And in, in, in the last 15, 10, I mean. The last time a Scottish club reached the European final was Rangers in 2008, Celtic four years prior. I mean, it's it's difficult to see with, just with the amount of the way the money shifted towards these five leagues mm. that have made every single European final since then, bar yeah. one final made by uh, Dnipro, Dnipro, the, the team in Dnipro, Eastern yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, the Ukrainian yeah, one, and then Ajax made a Europa League Ajax, final as well. Ajax made so. the Europa League final as well. Um However, Ajax do have the European pedigree, but yeah. um, they're probably the biggest club outside the top five. They are, they are absolutely the biggest club. Them and probably the Portuguese clubs are yeah. the only club because Benfica have made a, a Europa League final as well. But 
the um you're you're I like how he goes with Benfica and then fails to remember that Celtic were beat by Jose Mourinho's Porto. I know they were. Then, That's, well, I was saying with... since I was saying since. <laughs> uh, since, in, yeah. since Rangers and Celtic lost their finals. Uh, however, um, speaking of, look, I took a little transfer rumor in there. Apparently, Celtic called Jose on the phone just to wish him well, and which it doesn't fill me with hope. I mean, as much as I think it would be amazing to have Jose Mourinho as a manager, you know, he's a born winner. It's uh, It means that, what have we been doing for the last three months? Are we not? I mean, Jose was only sacked six, seven days ago. So, who, who had we not been lining anybody up as a replacement? Okay. Uh, however, the Eddie Howe odds have gone up. Uh, odds are better now. So, uh, it looks like he might have uh, come, to, come to terms with Celtic, potentially. I heard he was uh, he was having issues with backroom staff, and that's why the deal was being held up. But um, could be Mourinho and Howe are the front runners at the moment. Yeah, I, so. I think from what I've heard is that Eddie Howe wanted to bring some of his backroom staff from Bournemouth along, but uh, Bournemouth are in the playoff hunt for the, uh, to go back straight up. Um, but they're in the uh, they're in the playoffs at the moment, so I think if they don't go up, it would be a lot easier for him to. To approach the to approach the staff, then if they're back in the Premiership, Premier League. I think this is one of the one of the things you now need to watch though is obviously Tottenham search for a manager. They wanted uh, Nagelsmann from Leipzig, but he's now going to Bayern Munich, which is just typical. It's typical Bayern Munich tapping up every other Bundesliga club. It's absolutely tapping up thirty thirty million for a manager. Like I understand, I've, but p- players have been tapped up for years, right? Like Mbappe at PSG, you know. Um, but I've, um, I mean, obviously Leicester tapped up Brendan Rodgers, but for for a scale of a thirty million buyout fee for a manager is ludicrous. I mean, they're they're, buy, they're buying the league, uh, it, and obviously that sees Hansi Flick probably make his move to the German national team after the summer Euros. So. I mean, the thing is, it's you've got like every player that has ever went to Bayern Munich has came like nine out of ten of them have came from another Bundesliga club. So, like Serge Nabry came from he Hoffenheim. Was Hoffenheim, I. He, he, Hoffenheim. he was playing for Hoffenheim and he was supposed to go join Hoffenheim. Yeah, Lewandowski comes from Dortmund. You know, Upamecano's coming in from Leipzig. Um, the last, do you want to know the last player they signed who wasn't from the German league? It was a uh, Quarantine Tolisso, who's uh, a was bought from Lyon. Yeah, he's would not it not be the Leroy, most impact. Would it not be? Would it not be Leroy Sané from Man City oh, yeah, as well? Oh, of course. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. but still, yeah. But, yeah. Right, to to go back to my to go back to my point, because um, I'm totally drifting into German football here. Celtic now need to watch that Tottenham managerial race because the, the likelihood is is Eddie Howe is probably somewhere in the running for that Tottenham job. Because um, I can't really think of anyone else they, they could bring in like in terms of vacant managers currently for Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, uh, Andre Villas-Boas Andre is one I can think of, but would you take him back? <laughs> no, um, um, but I, I think as well as it's, it's this been announced today. That Spurs will announce their new manager before the end of the season. And I wish Celtic had the ambition though. Having a manager come in before the end of the season is great, right? The manager can have a look at the players. You know, he's, even if there's a couple games to play, 
they're probably not going to care about the results of those games, but you can see... So have, they have a couple games, then the players can chat to the, the manager, you can get to know them, and you can know who's part of his plans, who's not, and it helps the summer transition window so much easier. But if, if we're bringing a manager in a week before our European qualifiers start, then that's ludicrous, right? Because it's just not going to go well. You know, a manager can't revolutionize a squad in a week. So I think, I think, yeah, we need to watch what other clubs are doing and we need to beat other clubs to the... Cause there's a lot of managerless clubs this summer. We need to beat them to the punch. I think you've got one perk if you sign Jose Mourinho as a manager. You might not get the most attractive football on the pitch. You might have the most arrogant manager off the pitch, but you will win something. We won't bottle finals. You will no. not lose... like. I can guarantee. I can guarantee you for a fact. Like, pers- I personally think, had Jose Mourinho not refused to train players over the ESL, and had been able to manage Tottenham in the Carabao Cup final on Sunday, it would have been a completely different. It game. would have been a, a one-nil Spurs shit house victory. Instead of yes. Spurs being dominated by City. The thing is, Jose Mourinho is the only manager to beat Pep Guardiola in a final, and then they sack him a week before the final. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's ludicrous. And also, right, the squad, I, I don't understand. You're obviously a, a Spurs fan on the side, Sam. I think Jose got an absolute awful rap by the media at Spurs. His record is not that terrible, right? The, the mess Poch left him in, Half the players wanted to leave. The squad was a shambles. The the players were all demoralised. Poch had lost 16 or 17 games that season. Like, a record loss losses in a season for Spurs. And, uh, uh... Or, since in the last six months he got sacked or something, he had an awful record. Jose came in, he steadied the ship, he had Harry Kane and Son scoring more goals than ever under any manager, and... He was. He stops any players leaving in the summer window except Christian Eriksen. So, really, he didn't. He got to a cup final. He didn't get a chance to win it or do anything. But I think it's because I don't a, think he did poor. I think it's a because of the he had re, uh, they had a really good start to the season and then kind of dropped off a bit. Had a few losses here and there to clubs they really should be beating, and also. Oh, did they back Mourinho in January? No, they got Gareth Bale on a ill-fated, yeah, expensive was, loan. Yeah, that was on in the summer. And like, I don't think they brought anyone in January, but I can't remember. Oh, was it in the summer? Oh, well, there you go. He, he wasn't playing until January, though, yeah, Gareth Bale. So... He's also frozen out players that he, you know, been like freezing out on Dombele and then bringing him back and then freezing him out again. Um, Danny Rose hasn't played for the club in over two years. Um... It's just been, you know, strange. I mean, we saw the way Danny Rose spoke to him in that documentary, though. I mean... It's also been very very negative in terms of watching it as well. Like, score a goal and then sit back and then... But that's how you win trophies. Like, that. in a a cup final, that's absolutely how you want to play. (laughs) And Jose Mourinho plays every game like it's a cup final. It's not... I, I disagree. I think... It's daft to be like, we want a manager and who's a winner when you were saying the same thing about Lenny. I think, I, I'm not comparing Jose Mourinho to Lennon, but like they're two managers who are on the out in terms of their style of football. 
Mourinho will still win the odd FA Cup with Man United or Europa League, but he's not a top, top manager anymore. He's maybe, I'm not saying he wouldn't do a good job at Celtic, but I think that I'd rather see a Scottish club, or if I was a Celtic fan, go for a younger, like, um, well, that that manager for Salzburg, what's his called? Uh, um, well, uh, Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh. Yeah. Like young managers with new ideas. Jesse Marsh than... is going to replace... Um... Nagelsmann at Leipzig, though, so... No, I thought Marco Rose was jumping from... Is he jumping to Dortmund? Marco from... Rose is going to Dortmund, yeah. Oh, so it's Jesse Marsh jumping to Leipzig, okay. Oh, this is going to be fun, isn't it? Dortmund, Marco Rice and Marco Rose. You're not going to know yeah, what one... <laughs> Great. You know what I mean, though? Like, I, I, I think just... For the sake of progress, for the sake of, like, not sitting back on one of the leads and all that in league games, which if Celtic do in league games, you'll drop points against teams like, I mean, Hibs have found it out, you know, teams like Motherwell and that that will push you to the edge for a point if they if they sniff a chance. Um, I don't see that style of football belonging in football. Or like Jose, like I said, these are managers that are getting a bit dated. And I, yeah, like he got Son and Kane working really well. Yeah, but were Spurs like up the table no they were just kind of outside the top four or top six um you know so that's my two pence on it i guess but i am um, i just want to i just want to like throw a span on the works here right in terms of in terms of spurs right spurs don't have a top four squad though so it's not surprised they weren't in the top four Right, it, it's not surprising. With the exception of Harry Kane and Son Heung-min, the team is pretty. Like, no offense, Sam, but it's pretty dire. Yeah, um, Leicester, and West, Leicester and West Ham have just as good squads. Yeah, and they are they are actually playing to the ability of their squads. Yeah, I'd I'd say you've got you've got Son and Kane, maybe Lloris. He's got the odd mistake in him as well, but like. Those the... oh, he was fantastic against City though. Larice kept it at one 0 It would have been four 0 if he hadn't. Yeah, he's. Made the those are the three world class players that Spurs have, and the rest yeah. of them are just, you know, they're Premier League players. To, they're good to players, give, but they're not to, to give, more Champions to... League knockout stage players. But as as a Celtic fan, I I obviously I want another project manager, and no, I don't think Mourinho is a project manager. But if the board want to go for a steady the ship manager why not you know I, I think, but like is, I think is steady is... the ship catching up with rangers because rangers are miles ahead though is is a steady the ship manager like you say so a steady the ship a steady the ship manager will win us one or two trophies a season maybe not the league right but a project mm. manager is not going to win us the league in his first season and could potentially so jose rune could probably get as a deep run in europe hopefully right then, but yeah but yeah. say say we get eddie howe I don't think Eddie Howe. I don't think he'll keep us competitive. He might improve every player in our squad, but he'll turf a bunch out, bring a bunch in, and we'll have to wait three years to see the effect, right? Well, it'll be like Gerard at Rangers. They've, it's taken three three seasons to see Gerard get Wouldn't the players playing how he wants. Wouldn't you rather that though? Because if you get a steady, like I say, you'll get your short term. Uh, but what if Rangers? Then... Climb, what if Rangers climb further ahead in that time? But then, you know? and yeah, then but we're what... we're always three seasons behind chasing. If you get in Mourinho and it's a steady uh, the ship kind of situation, aren't you back to square one once he leaves? And you know, there's a situation like he has a, has had at other clubs. Lennon, Lennon was supposed to be a steady the ship one year rolling contract, so they were supposed yeah. to. After that season, he came in to replace Rogers, right? 
they were supposed to see how see how the players liked him, see how he's performing, look at the results, look at the stats. You know, was was he playing negative football? And they were yeah. supposed to not offer him a new contract if he was subpar. And they were also supposed to ask the fans. They didn't. They just gave him an extra con an extra year on his contract. In fact, mm. they gave him an extra two years. Nobody wanted that. The play a lot of the players didn't want. Lennon to have the, the two years like a lot of the the foreign players obviously the your your Callum McGregor's your James Forrest your Ryan Christie's were loving it hmm. um but I mean it was a lot of the players didn't want to see him get an extra year in his contract and I don't think that Celtic will make that mistake again I think they will go for a project manager I just yeah. think it's too late they should have if they wanted a project manager they should have had one lined up when they sacked Lennon already yeah if, if, if you're going for a steady the ship manager it's you've sacked a manager because your results are poor and you see who's available, right? If you're going for a project manager, you you wait till you have that manager ready to sign the paper, then you sack your manager. You don't you don't go for an interim manager for about three months now. Since Mr. February. I mean, yeah, I mean at this point John Kennedy will just get given the job, won't he? And for yeah, being exactly that's, that, that's the worry. And then that's somehow worse. <laughs> like that's instead of going back to square one that's like square minus two you know yeah oh well go, going back to we'll just go back to the Scottish Cup there's two games we didn't uh, cover 3-0 win for Dundee United over Aberdeen impressive performance especially from Mark McNulty who got two goals um, and he does they do face Hibs in the semi-final will Mark McNulty haunt his former club no Okay, that was decisive, <laughs> that was. Yeah, um, Aberdeen were very poor, and that's all I can really say about it. Um, Dundee United looked impressive. They actually came out and had a go at it. But Aberdeen were really poor. <laughs> like, um, they had nothing defensively. Like, McInnes has built his teams on being really defensively solid and then kind of nicking a goal in an attack. But it was like the opposite this time. It was like... Aberdeen were playing everything through the midfield, uh, but not like like every time United run the counter attack, like the defense just wasn't there. Like it's I don't know the fullbacks were so high, like they had no defensive shape. It was all just yeah, if you know what I mean. Um, it was really risky play, I guess. I, th I think as well, uh, uh, like, going back to what we said about project managers, Stephen Glass is a project manager, and this kind of. The rest of the season for him and Aberdeen is kind of a bit of a free pass. Yeah, the... I mean, fans won't be worried about the poor results from Stephen Glass because hmm. they know that it, this season's a write-off, right? No, yeah. They're, they're probably just... fourth. But thing is, I would much rather be in Aberdeen's position than Celtics right now. And I know Aberdeen, <laughs> Aberdeen, I know I know that was a very poor result against Dundee. But Dundee, it's, I'm happy to see Dundee scoring goals. Right, United, United. But um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird one because I think Stephen Glass could do okay. He he's definitely taken away that negative style of football that McInnes had. But also he's he's I mean he's not at a window to bring in players that he thinks will work to his system. Yeah. So it's, time will tell with him. I I, I don't no, no think. I think I think Aberdeen will persist with him because he's quite for them he's quite a big ac acquisition. So I don't I don't see him getting sacked early in the season if results are poor. I think Aberdeen will persist. Absolutely. No, I'm not disputing that it's going to be a process with him. I was just more focused on... For, yeah. for, for now, it, it doesn't, it doesn't look it good doesn't at all. It doesn't look good, but yeah. I think give, give him a chance for a window or two. Give him 
a chance over pre-season to get his get get his you know style of play nailed down into the players, and I think they'd be they'll be good. They'll be good to go for next yeah, season. I think I think it was a result that we didn't expect to see coming. Probably not. Yeah, but it's right. but it's a result that for Aberdeen probably was coming. Um, yeah. The 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 situation is is like as you've said, Derek McInnes has got had very boring football. They brought in Glass, but Glass has came in at a time of the season where there's not really enough time to put your own tactics into play before the season wraps up. The the grace that Aberdeen have is that obviously he was the head coach of the Atlanta United reserves. Yes. I don't and know he, also, was he also had a stint as the manager of the head team when uh, one of the, I want to say the Frank De Boer or Ron yeah, De Boer. Frank De Boer. Frank De Boer was sacked uh, and then Stephen Glass the rest of the season is into him. He had four wins from his last eight games, four wins from his eight games in charge of the <laughs> senior team, which isn't a terrible record. 50% win rate in the MLS so, when you're drafted in isn't a terrible rate. And that's the only thing we can really judge him off. I mean, looking on it, and maybe I, I don't think Aberdeen have the funds for it, but you could maybe then say, well, he's got contacts at Atlanta United. So yeah. Well, the club, they have the been linked. Can you tap? Well, I know they brought in... Did they not bring in someone early on this season from Atlanta, like on a loan? Uh, no, one of the Aberdeen players went to Atlanta on a loan, I think. I'm sure they brought someone in. I can't remember, but again, they've got this loan system. But if they had enough fight in them, they could easily go in and take a, a player from them that will make a difference in the Aberdeen squad. I mean, I think Atlanta, you know, have quite quite a beefy roster, actually. So there's plenty of players that might not be getting the game time they like in the MLS that they mm. could take a punt on. I mean, the, the promise of, you know, the promise as well, if you do well in Scotland, then you've got England... The market yeah, yeah, the English media well. will be watching, you know. Very appealing probably to a lot of American players yeah. over there. So I mean Aber- Aberdeen uh, players have actually made a lot of moves down south recently. Um oh, aye. McKenna. So, so, it's, um, so um, the player you're thinking of is Ronald Hernandez, who went on loan from Aberdeen to Atlanta United. Uh, ah, that's what I thought, see. Yeah. Uh, he he came originally from Atlanta, I'm pretty sure, to Aberdeen. Oh, did he, move this, he came from Norway. Oh, did he? Really? Yeah. Oh well, that's my Atlanta. I think Atlanta United have one of the lowest average ages in the MLS, which means there's a lot of young yeah. players um, kicking about in their squad that would be more than excited to yeah. get get a, a move elsewhere. They just... wanted to dispel the myth that it was a retirement league. I think yeah. they wanted to just kind of. Yeah, I mean, they've got a they, lot they, of young they won... South Americans there. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, they're the only team in America that's I think is over its homegrown player quota. Yeah. So, which means they could afford to loan out some American talent, and Americans would obviously like love, never really get the chance to play abroad. So, I'm sure that 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 could also be a factor for uh, Aberdeen. I am. I'm pretty sure that the entire team, except for Manigo Martinez, who's Venezuelan, I think. Uh, yeah. Or they've yeah, got a couple or... Argentines as well. But uh, I think that's it. I'm just gonna check uh, Nigo Martinez. Yeah, and then they've got they've got Brad Guzan in goal. I know that for sure. St. Mary knocked out Cali Thistle. Right? Nigo Martinez not Spanish. He was at Sociedad. Mm-hmm. 
And you Martinez as centre back. It's Joseph Martinez. Yeah, Joseph Martinez oh. is Venezuelan. He used to play at Torino. Uh, yeah. uh, he he hit a, he's been quite good in a. Yeah. Who's so, that? Atlanta United. There we go. Uh, let's pick up their last. It's been year. a real international podcast. This. Yes, yeah, so we're coming in America. We're coming Germany. Yes, yeah, so in the last game, which yeah. was in the um, in the Concacaf Champions League, they had Americans. So they had Guzan Hindman, uh, who was at Hibs for a while. Hmm. Um, why? Why is it? Oh, never mind. There are a few players like uh, they've got Americans, they've got yeah, there's a lot of South Americans, so Ezekiel Barco, uh Jürgen Dam who's a Mexican, yeah. uh Marcelino Moreno, who is uh, Argentine as well. So there's you know, there's a lot of South American talent that, you know, could be poached by Aberdeen. Um but in the last uh, quarter final it was a three three draw between mm. Kili and Samirin. Alright. Yeah. Yeah, it was a... Uh... The two goals in extra time were both penalties, actually. Uh, so practice, practice for the penalty shootout, and it was it was possibly the the highest quality game of the. Actually, it was the one I watched, but it was. Uh, I would, I would, you could say that, but the first goal for St. Mirren scored by Ilkay Dermis uh, was just parried into uh, Doyle's own net. Um, yeah, by by himself. So, I it, mean. It was it was a real Scottish football game. I mean, thirty three fouls committed in this game, right? <laughs> yeah. It was. I think. I think I read something that it was a it was a quarter final record for the Scottish Cup, thirty three really? fouls. But yeah, but no red cards. So the the tackle quality must have been quite high. Um, three just just the just the six yellows though. Um, no offsides. Uh, but the the game there was, I mean, both teams went out to kill. They they were just. It was real end-to-end stuff. They were just at each other's boxes the whole time, mm. and it was—it was just a, an entertaining game to watch. I think it's it just really, a it showcased, it showcased Scottish football. But yeah, I think the uh, I think both teams a... were gunning for a good cup run. Yeah, so the the, um, the promise of being in the semi-finals without our Rangers there probably mm. did it. Is why it was probably so end-to-end. And I think out of all the semi-finals, those that those were the two tightest teams in terms of quality. Because um, the favourites would have been for the other games, Hibs, Aberdeen, and Rangers, respectively. So, yeah. you know, either either this was so tight, like you couldn't have really called it, I guess. Um, and then obviously, plus the fact Rangers are out, like I said, it, it made made it a really um, exciting game. Yes, mm. it was Dermot who opened the score for St Mirren, uh, then Rossi and Kilty with two goals just before half time to put Kelly in front at the break. Uh, Shaughnessy equalised the scores five minutes before. Uh, the 90-minute mark, and then two penalties in extra time. Uh, the first one given away by Colin McAllister, um, and then the second one given away by uh, the uh, Kelly keeper, who again had a poor game, letting in that first goal, and then giving away the penalty for the for the equaliser in the 119th minute for St Mirren from the spot. And then, uh, even though McAllister did give away that penalty, um, that put Killy three two up. He did score the winning penalty for St Mirren, which I think is a a nice little story mm. there. Uh, Roy McKenzie's uh, penalty was the only one that was missed. It's actually quite a high quality penalty shoot. It was unlike unlike the uh, the Rangers shootout and the Hibs shootouts. It was a uh, it was a, a better standard. Uh, 
I, I I do love a penalty shootout when when you you know you get you get through the ranks. Everyone gets five penalties, but sometimes you get you know you've scored all five and you you get the the defenders and the keepers taking it. I think the best penalty shootout, or I guess the worst penalty shootout I've ever watched, was uh, Italy Germany in the twenty sixteen Euros. Twenty sixteen, yeah. The Simone Zaza's tiki taka nonsense. I think I think Neuer took a pe- took like the second penalty for Germany. I think in that one. Yes, well. he did, and he missed it by a mile. Um, which is crazy. Uh, was... But that sets up the two semi-finals. So it'll be Hibs versus Dundee United and St. Mirren versus St. Johnston in the first Scottish Cup set of semis without the old firm since 2005-06. And it also marks the first time in Scottish football history that no old firm team has made the semi-finals of either the Scottish Cup or the League Cup in the same season. If Celtic wanted a, a cup final this season, they should have called themselves St. Celtic. Because, I mean... Uh... <laughs> So Johnson could make both finals, or or St. So, Mirren and St. Johnson, Johnson could so. win the double this season, which is yeah. an incredible achievement. I mean, the second most successful team of the decade. Yeah, of course. Um, and, so uh, I did have a look at the last time uh, these teams made the finals. So obviously, Hibs, the most recent team of these four uh, to win the Scottish Cup, uh, beating Rangers um, in the final of 2016. Dundee United. Won it in 2010, beating Ross County in the final. And St. Johnston won, uh, won it in 2014. And St. Miller won it in 1987. That's their most recent win. They both won it over Dundee United. And they have a chance to play them again in the final, which I think is quite poetic. Um, if either of them get through, and obviously if Dundee United beat Hibs, either of them could have the repeat of their most recent success in the Cup. Um, I mean... I think all all teams. This is the first time in a while in Scottish Cup, obviously because the old firm are out, that every team in it feels like they can win it. Yeah. I mean, I know I know Hibs fans really feel like they should be winning this. Like it's a no, disappointment well. not to win. But I think every club is feeling like they can win. But Hibs Hibs it's, for Hibs, it's almost a target rather than a a lucky surprise. I mean, our target under Ron Gordon is to win the Scottish Cup. Obviously, he's made it really clear. So. Yeah. That's... Otherwise, you'll be a very old man before the next win it, Marcus. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. It's, very, it's very, also very similar. To, like I, I know there was no old firm teams in the League Cup uh, League Cup semis either, but it's if you swap out Dundee United for Livingston, that's those are the two. Those that's the League Cup semis right there. That's very similar. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's going to be commended to both St Mirren and St Johnston and Hibs as well to make. Two I mean, sets of semi-finals. St. Johnston were very early to sack their, their manager, but I think the job that's been done now is fantastic. Like, I mean, they, they're, they're, St. Johnston have not... I mean, they've beat Hibs once this season, and maybe twice. They've twice. beat Rangers. Yeah, I, I thought so. Beat Rangers, beat... Um, drawn with Celtic twice, actually. But, um, yeah, no, Cal David... Uh, no, who's... Calm Davidson. Okay, it is Calm Davidson, yeah. Yeah. He's been he's been fantastic. He's gonna be in the shout for, for manager of the season. I mean obviously I think Gerard will get it, but Calm Davidson's definitely with the He shout does. Yeah. If they win the double then absolutely, you know. Yeah, and it'll be Hibbs' third semi final this season. Um obviously the last two trips to Hand didn't end quite well, so hopefully this time it's third time lucky. Um but going absolutely. on Absolutely. Uh, after our last pod, uh, the morning after the Super League collapsed, 
there was talk of a British Super League, an 18-team league in England where they'd invite Celtic and Rangers to join, um, which looks to be supported by the Premier League and most of the media, media over the European Super League. Um, but it comes into the same problems and... Well, okay, if that were to go ahead, which I don't think it'll ever do, and despite its wide support down in England and its minimal support in Scotland, so the the new Champions League format will give legacy clubs, clubs who have historically been fantastic in Europe, the chance to qualify each season based on you know their, the their league positions and their coefficients and their fan performance and stuff. Could If Celtic and Rangers were dumped into the Premier League, could we steal their free spot? So, obviously, I don't expect Celtic and Rangers to get a European place if they went into England. But, you know, could we get the legacy spot over, say, Arsenal or Spurs? I'd, I'd say Rangers, the, past, the performances in Europe past couple of seasons, they probably could. But uh... They have definitely outperformed Arsenal and Spurs over the past two seasons. Maybe not Spurs, yeah. but Arsenal. I think, I think Arsenal made a final a couple of seasons ago, but... Still, Rangers have been consistent and might they ask them again in the semis this season as well, I think. Mm. Uh, of course, Spurs and Arsenal got to a Champions League and Europa League respectively in the same season. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, it would be interesting. I mean, they always talk. Every five years or ten years, they go on about it. They they stop for a while when Rangers cease to exist briefly. But um, yeah, they uh, it's great. I can put in all the Rangers or Deed jokes in because Kyle's not here. Um, but 55 aka 1 but um, no I, I don't think it'll happen it makes no sense financially it would be fantastic for Celtic and Rangers but the the board still wouldn't do it because success would dwindle you know Yeah. why would you want to play fucking in a, in a Southampton league. every week or why would you play in a league where Norwich. you probably finish you know lower mid table <laughs> or would you rather win the league by miles and you'd win the Premier Sports Trophy, but you'd get you'd get a much better chance of getting in Europe. However, you'd be a lower seed, so you'd have a tougher time in Europe. But there's an easier chance to get to Europe. And I think because Celtic and Rangers, I think if Hibs were had a, a squad as good as Celtic and Rangers do at the moment, or as good as Rangers, say Hibs were as good as Rangers this season, I wouldn't actually see them turning it down because then they know they could compete in England and they'd get far more money and they would then surpass both old firm clubs with the money. So, obviously, I can't speak for Hibs because I'm not Hybe, but Aberdeen would because yeah. they're spineless. <laughs> so, but obviously, they wouldn't get invited because they're not apparently attractive enough. I think there's plenty more. I mean, Hibs are far more attractive than Bournemouth and Bournemouth have been in the Premier League. They're more attractive than a lot of clubs. Norwich, that are in these crappy little fall into Burnley, these crappy little fallen down stadiums. You know, Edinburgh is the capital city of a country, you know? Yeah. It's far more, Hibs are a far more attractive prospect. Like We're a bigger club. I mean, people go on Would you want to live on a farm in Norwich or would you want to live in the most beautiful city in the UK? In Europe. As a player. Like, if if Hibs had the money from a Prem side, they'd possibly be one of the biggest forces in in, in British football. Uh, Same with, same with Celtic and Rangers. But, but see, it's the, the whole discussion happen. about uh, Celtic and Rangers being bigger than half the t- clubs in the Prem, yeah. like, you, you can make a case for Hibs and Hearts, like, in Aberdeen as well, even Dun- your Dundee. I mean, if you go Bournemouth, the likes of Bournemouth, Brighton, 
even even Brighton as as much as Brighton are have established themselves like Hibs and Hearts and Aberdeen and Dundee United are all bigger than Brighton. I'm sorry, they've never won oh, yeah. a major trophy in their entire existence. Brighton hadn't never... even been in the top flight ever until they got promoted. Well, exactly, Premier League. They've been in the top flight, but not the Premier League. Like, like Hibs, as well as... even disregarding the term, like Hibs have a history of competing in Europe, and you know we were the first club from the UK to play in, in European um, in the European Cup, and we were invited because we were a team that they thought. Mm. would bring attention because we were one of the leading clubs in Europe at that point so no it's um... and as well is it, I think it's isn't it Dundee United who are the only team that Barcelona have faced in Europe that they haven't beaten yeah Dundee United yeah. Have 100% record yeah. Yeah. And, Dun- and the other Dundee club have a fantastic record against Madrid um yeah, Dunfermline have a good record in Europe. I mean yeah, I mean Scottish know. clubs I mean I mean between the 60s and the 70s Maybe earlier, even Scott. I mean, Scotland was the centre of football. I mean, we yeah. were expected to win a couple of World Cups. You know, results didn't go our way. But I mean, Hamden was the first place to host a European final. Mm. I mean, like Scot Scotland is football is at the heart of Scotland, and Scotland football is a Scottish invention. Yeah, well. but no, I mean, is it? No, it I, is. I feel like it's not. But the the FA was set up by uh, obviously the English, oh. but. But the the rules of the game were modified uh, when Scots went down in England to play, ah, okay. and they basically the Scots were paid to play, yes, uh, which was Scott, frowned Scott's, upon. Scots upon at the time. First ones to kind of get under the table payments in terms of in terms of yeah. wages and. But in terms that, of like passing that, and that, movement, if you've watched that. Um, so the reason Neymar cost two hundred. The reason Neymar cost two hundred twenty million is because of a Scottish guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, but um, I, it's the English game. You've seen that, yeah. which is funnily, funnily named that. Um, but yeah, so like the Scottish had to revolutionise the sport because it it wasn't passing and movement based. It was a lot like rugby, where you hog the ball and then eventually get tackled off it and lose possession. Whereas the Scots invented the idea of. Passing, you know, passing and movement, which essentially made the game what it is today. So, and obviously the the rules and everything were changed. Um, so it's a Scottish invention, and that's it. <laughs> Scottish football should stay in Scotland, though. I mean, it, it I know I know the Welsh have made moves, obviously with Wrexham, with Swansea, Swansea and with uh, Cardiff, Cardiff and... but the Welsh FA is far more integrated with the English FA, and I think, I mean. I think Scottish football would lose its credibility. You know, I I I hope that Scotland gets somebody, some TV company feels enough to invest into Scotland to give us a bumper TV deal. You know, and that the Scottish money can flow through the game. All mm-hmm. all clubs in Scotland can improve and get better players. You know, maybe global warming will give us better weather. I think I think we're we're a sleeping giant in in world football. You know, been asleep for about forty years now, but. I feel like uh, eventually it's it's going to kick off and we're going to become a hotspot in football again. You know, it's Hope I don't so. think it'll be longer than ten years before Celtic or Rangers make a European final because I think a lot of the other clubs in Europe are actually getting worse. Like a lot of the big clubs, they're getting complacent. You know, it, shock upsets are happening more often in, in in Europe nowadays. Hopefully, with more fan ownership as well. Um, exactly, the game gets brought out of the hands of the top five leagues and. Yeah, and as well as it's going back to the fact that, um, back to the European Super League is that that kind of threatened the integrity of Spanish League, the Italian League, the English, the English League. Then, if Celtic and Rangers join this British Super League, that will 
invalidate the integrity of the Scottish League, and I don't mm-hmm. think that France and England would help to get a Champions League place then, or when our so. coefficient because Cel- no, because Celtic and Rangers get removed, our coefficient would completely decline. Yeah, right. No, what I was going to say is that is that English teams don't recognise that what they wanted for the Super for the European Super League would have exactly the same effect in this British Super League. Because the Celtic Rangers coefficient would go to England and England would probably get another Champions League spot. Exactly, yeah. And then, like you know, Scottish football will get like Europa League and Conference League spots. But speaking of European positions and leagues, um, third and fourth in Scotland are a conference spot now rather than the Europa League. It's the Scottish Cup winner that gets the only Europa League spot. So we, I think we have... Uh, so I think Hibs, Hibs go into Hibs go into a playoff. So if they if they win their first round of European playoffs, they stay in Europa League. If they lose, they drop into the conference playoff, uh, straight into a conference group. Yeah, I think in terms of, in terms of the cup, yeah. Aberdeen goes straight into the first round of conference qualifying, but the cup gets a Scottish Cup now gets a straight European group in Europa League. So yeah, a group place in Europa League. So if Hibs win the cup, it's they go through far less games to get. It's, Hibs need to win this cup if they want to get a better run in Europe because they'll be yeah. a higher seed in their Europa League group and they won't have to go through qualifiers. So I think they should uh, they should definitely put all their eggs in the cup basket because absolutely. Yeah. Even if even if Aberdeen jump above you, winning the cup would be better for you. Yeah, for, because getting, the way now getting now straight third into the Europa League groups, I think, would be a massive achievement for any of the four clubs. Um... Mm. Because you could potentially get Europe with Celtic and Rangers couldn't, because Celtic and Rangers could bollock their qualifiers, right? Yeah, and, uh, qualifiers, yeah. And uh, and Hibs could get if Hibs won the cup, they get a straight Europa League group, which means Hibs could be flying the flag for Scotland and Europe. So finishing third and fourth now doesn't actually matter. It's winning the cup is far better. Yeah. But then we could also, in theory, say Hamilton could win the Scottish Cup, get relegated. We could have a Scottish Championship side representing us in Europe. Oh dear. Uh, and sure. on that sad note, so we're, there, this week we there is no quiz this week, and there's also no predictions because Kyle isn't here. But we'll run over the predictions again next week. But on the uh, sad note that Hamilton could get into Europe, uh, we'll leave you well, there. Not this season. <laughs> not this season. Not this season. In the future, hopefully. Uh, but it could be sooner. <laughs> um, we don't. We're all right with some moment. Anyway. Um, wrap it up for this week uh so thank you guys for joining me today and we'll see you again next week cheers bye the false 90s podcast is available on apple podcasts spotify youtube podbean and our website at false90s.wordpress.com for updates follow false 90s on both twitter and instagram and a big thank you to francisco alvia and his track space game which is our theme tune Hibs, Hibs, the quarterfinal, then um, Hibs, they're all in the shootout to f- f- send their way to hand. Fuck, start again. Um, Hibs, Hibs, right, the quarterfinal, then um, Hibs, they're all in the shootout to send them to Hamden. Irox is for. Should we do that again? Because I was speaking over you for the intro. We'll try that again. Yeah. I was, was going to say, like, it's slow down. <laughs> well, now we have to do it again because Mark said, should we do it again? Yeah. yeah.